Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Hey, can we welcome everyone joining us online? Hey, we love you. Whether in person or online, we're, we're one. And it's great. Great to have all, all of you there. And really thankful we're here today as we worship God and seek Him together. And uh, super weird, our, our, uh, our pastor friend from San Antonio, Mark and Carrie Bell, right down here. Raise your hand right here. Everybody say hi to them. Sneak attack, they show up in service, we didn't know they were coming. But anyway, it's so great to have you guys here today. Guys, listen, we are continuing our series on the book of Daniel. And how many appreciate how this is bringing moral clarity to where we are today, right? Amen? And what we do know is this, the world doesn't need, no, need more morality, it needs more Jesus. And so, but we as believers and followers of Jesus need to be equipped to stand with God and to stand for God in a ungodly culture because that's what God's called us to do. And part of that also is how we serve one another and serve each other in the church. And there are some, there are some messages that are outward focused, evangelism focused. There's some message that strengthen us so that then we can go and continue to be. But we are in a season of strengthening internally. And so we, we are really asking for you to consider serving in some of our areas of ministries here at Faith. As at, through COVID over the last several, several months, we are continuing to grow. Um, our children's ministry is continuing to really bust at the seams. And we need some folks to serve. But it may not be children's ministry. So when you walked in, everybody was given this. And when you look at it, it gives all the different areas that we would love for you to say yes to. The fact is this, God calls you to be a part of this body. He's called you to be here. And so that means he wants to use you. And I believe every member is a minister. And so we are just looking for folks who, are, who would say yes to God and serve how, whatever capacity that may be. Some of the best advice a mentor of mine told me many, many years ago is this, never say no to an opportunity to serve. Never say no. And from that opportunity, there, was, there have been always more opportunities. God wants to use you, and, and we need you to be used by God here to serve each other. So there's a QR code right on the back, and you can scan that, and it will connect you to where you need to go. Please consider really giving um, uh, some time and a service, and we would love for you to worship at one and serve at one, and that way we can, we can be stepping forward together. Everybody say, you got it, Pastor Jason? Come on, do better. Say, you got it, Pastor Jason. All right, good, good. Listen, this series, I think, is going to be really powerful in our lives. And as we're looking at the book of Daniel, and we're really asking the question, how do you live for God in, a, in, in an ungodly culture? And my desire, really, that this, God will use this word to be a prophetic um, a prophetic voice, a prophetic message to point us to what God wants to do in our lives and to also expose the strategies of the enemy and how he is coming against us as believers so that we can be everything that God's called us to be, that it'll expose his schemes, that you would be equipped by the word of God, that your families would be equipped by the word of God, that it would protect you, his word would protect you, it would encourage you, it would empower you to be the man and the woman of God that God has called you to be and you really want to be. And so we live in a day and a time when families need to be strengthened. 
Our, our resolve needs to be, needs to be strengthened. And, and so as we live for God in an ungodly culture, we can be challenged. And the enemy wants to, wants to degrade us or, or pull down things in our minds that cause us to believe lies. And the enemy wants to keep you from walking in the supernatural, to living the life that God has actually called you to live. And he uses culture. He uses culture to influence us. Now, culture is not the enemy, but it is a victim of the enemy. The people who have been deceived by the enemy, they're not the enemy, but they are victims. And we are called to reach them. We are called to share the gospel with them and to be light for them. But many ways how the enemy keeps us from being that light and being that salt is that he uses culture to write a different, uh, actually to rewrite a new narrative on the inside of you so that you think differently, that you, you see things differently. And he does it so that you will get off course and not live the life God's called you to live. See, God never does anything alone. He always invites others to do it with him. That's the whole purpose. And so last week, we were looking at this, this whole idea of the enemy cannot keep you from, from being saved. He will try to keep you from being effective because he knows that you can actually be effective. He'll try to, he'll try to use culture and, and use those who are deceived by culture to shape your worldview and how you see the world. He'll try to isolate you from other believers and use culture to convince you you don't need church and you don't need pastors and you just, just you. And he, he's okay if you read your Bible. He's okay. Just go ahead. You do your thing. But don't, don't be a part of other believers. And when he does that, it makes us vulnerable. And he uses culture and, and media to indoctrinate you with, with lies that you think are actually truth. And you will fight for ideas and you will fight for things you think are true, but they are actually lies. They are contrary to the word of God. They're the opposite. And the problem is, is when you are deceived with a new truth that you, you receive from culture, you don't know you're deceived. That's why it's called dis deception. And so you need the truth of God's word to cut through those things and to allow you to live godly in an ungodly culture. Also, what we looked at last week is God uses, excuse me, the enemy uses culture to influence the way you see yourself, your identity, your identity of purpose and why God saved you, the identity of gender and what God created in the beginning of he's the one who made man and woman. There are no other genders. He's the one who, he uses culture. He uses culture to pervert sexuality. That where you know that you should be pure, but it's okay because culture, culture says it's okay and I'm not as bad as that person. He uses cultures. It's all right to live with your boyfriend or girlfriend and have sex. It's okay. You're committed to each other. It's okay. And scripture is very clear. That's not for followers of Jesus. And so for us, we, we need to understand that that's what happens. He uses culture, now hear me today, to confuse what it means to live as a child of God. And I will say this, every single one of us in this room have been a victim to culture shaping how we see the world and how we see ourselves. Every one of us. That's why we need to be tethered to the word of God. So what is it about you that the enemy hates? Why, what's the big deal about you, right? 
Why, why are you so important? Well, here's the truth. The enemy knows more about, sometimes more about what God can do through you than you do. Because maybe you've just believed the lie. But here's the, here's the reality, what he doesn't, what he hates about you. First of all, you are an image bearer of God. You were created in the image of God. Remember, in the beginning, the enemy, the devil, rebelled against God. And so he first, create, he first was created, so Satan was created for the purpose to carry, carry out God's will. Satan was created to, to, to carry out the purposes of God, but he rebelled from that. In other words, he is now opposed to God's ways and God's will. And so he is working against what God is working for. But this is what we do know is that the enemies, or excuse me, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the purposes of God. But God created you in his image. And as he created you in his image and you're the image bearer, every time the enemy sees you, he hates you. He, he's, he's despised by your image. And so then he wants to distort that image all throughout the world by deceiving people. But now when you become a follower of Jesus, you now, just as the, the devil was created to carry out the purposes and the wills, will of God, when you are saved, you are saved to carry out the will and the purpose of God. You are on offense. You are moving forward. You have a purpose. And so what happens is, is he convinces us about how we live our lives. He indoctrinates us through culture, keeps us from charging the gates of hell because we have compromised areas in our lives. And when you have compromise in your life, you lose the supernatural of your life because you're just, you're just surviving. It doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It just means that you are ineffective as a follower of Jesus. And so that is his strategy. The enemy is terrified of you living the life God's saved you to live. Because when you walk the life God's called you to, to live, when you submit yourself to the word of God, when that is supreme in your life, you walk in, a, in, in an authority that was given to you by Jesus. And that authority by Jesus, he said, all authority has been given unto me, and I give it to you. You have it. The enemy knows that you have the authority to dismantle his strategies to bring clarity to confusion by the truth in the word of God. To tear down lies and to, and to dis, dismantle and destroy the power of the enemy with the truth of God, the truth of his word, and the truth of the gospel. So listen to me today. You possess his image and you also possess the power of God in your life. And so he tries to influence you so that you're not effective. Listen, you didn't know something today. You are, as a follower of Jesus, an image bearer, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, living a life God's called you to live. When you walk in that road, you are a chain-breaking, spirit-filled, darkness-charging, light-shining, lie-smasher, loss-seeking. You are, you are a hurt healing, or grace-giving, non-perfect, truth-telling, kindness-giver, hope-infusing, faith-filled, joy-spreading, culture-shifting, gospel-sharing, hell-crashing, devil-slasher is what you are. So how do we do it? How do we live that life? That sounded good, Jason. I don't know how to do it. How do we live for God in an ungodly culture? How do we walk in our calling? 
How do, we, how, do we, how do we share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost and dying world? How do we stand for truth and do it in a way that doesn't drive people away? Here's the cool thing. The Bible shows us how to do that. How do we remain a light in the midst of darkness as people are searching for light? Once they, they, they realize they are empty. They're looking for lights. And the enemy wants us to dim ours to culture so that the rest of the world can't find the direction to go. How do you thrive in a culture that you're in but not of? That's not a new problem. That's not a new problem. It's not a new issue. Daniel had to figure out how to do it. Daniel was one, is one of the most well-known Jewish um, people in history. He was able to live for God in a very, very ungodly pagan Babylonian culture. Daniel was taken from his homeland as a slave. He was ripped from his family. He was placed in a three-year indoctrination school to deconstruct his reason and truth and replace that with a lie. But his convictions from the word of God held him secure. He was unshakable, my friends, and so shall you be. That's what this culture needs. They need some Daniels. They need some people who stand up. They need some, they need some people who, who understand the word of God and the spirit of the word of God. So this Babylonian ungodly culture sounds a lot like ours that we live in, in the American culture. But it would not give up on deconstructing their belief system. It wouldn't stop. Everywhere they turned, it was telling them that their belief system was broken and wrong and all the time. It, it, first of all, as they were taken as slaves, it, it took away their, 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 their manhood. As we looked at uh, last week, they were castrated. They were made to be eunuchs, took away their family, took away their, their, their circle of believers, took away their religious background, took away their home, took away their names. And today, we're going to learn what to do. That in the midst of this culture, what to do when we are, when we are faced with the decision to choose, right or wrong, holy or unholy. What happens when you come to a confrontation of truth? Daniel and these young men, they come to a test, and they've got two choices, give in and compromise or hold strong and stand strong to my convictions. They, they are now faced, as we come to this text today, we're faced with the pressure to eat of the food of Babylon. And let's look to see what's really going on contextually behind this. But let's read this, this passage out of Daniel. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. So when you look at this, you think, I... I What's the context here? What's going on? Why, why wouldn't you want to eat from the king's table, right? So Daniel and these young men, they, they had the opportunity to, to eat filet mignon and, and lobster tail paired with a 492 B.C. bottle of Chardonnay. I, you know, I don't know, maybe. Maybe they were going to cho chocolate lava cake for dessert. Like, come on, baby, this is awesome. From the king's table. In other words, what the king was eating, they were eating. And they said, no. 
So this was not because the, 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 the king's food was too rich for their palate and they just wanted like hummus and a falafel. That's not what they're saying here. It was because this type of food, according to God and the Bible, was not to be eaten by God's people, the Hebrews. This food in Babylon, you need to understand, it was offered to idols. It was offered to pagan gods. And they knew that by eating and partaking of the food, it was a physical action, but also it was a step to show that you have placed your faith in that idol that it was offered to. And also for the Hebrews, God's people, they were only supposed to eat certain meats. It was specified by the type of hoof of the animal that these are the ones you can and these are the ones I don't want you to eat. Now later, after the, the, the new covenant, as we find Peter has given, given a vision and talked about what, what, you know, how the Gentiles can now receive the gospel. Also, what that means is something shifted that doesn't, that doesn't matter today, but then it mattered as followers of God. And this is the type of food that God said was not to enter the mouth of a godly Jew. So these young men, men have got a problem. So everything else has been external. Everything else says, okay, this has happened to me, this has happened to me. And this is what you need to know as you live a godly life in an ungodly culture. There will always come a time when you live for God in an ungodly culture that you will be brought to a test. There will always be a time, multiple. And a test is a confrontation to which you must make a choice between holy and unholy, to either blend in or stand out, to hold to truth or buckle under fear, to avoid pushback and compromise or honor God regardless of the cost. So how to pass the test when confrontation comes. First thing we can see and we learn from Daniel's number one, Determine in your heart now that you will not compromise your convictions and your commitments to God when that test comes. So before the test comes, the test of truth comes, you can determine what decision you're going to make. So just like you would prepare for a normal test, you prepare for a test by considering the questions that will be asked of you and you establish the correct response based from truth, based from what is the actual answer. You prepare for it. You can do the same thing in your, in your life. The decision by Daniel was not made in the moment. He didn't think, you know what? Uh, no, I won't do that. No, no, this was a decision that he made years ago when he submitted himself to God. This was a decision that he made many years ago as he, as he heard the voice of the prophet Jeremiah that had warned the Hebrews before they went into captivity that they needed to turn from the idols and stop compromising and, and stop, stop worshiping other idols and hold true to the one true God. And Jeremiah for 50 years preached to these, to, to these Hebrews to return to God, return to God, and they didn't listen. And so they were hauled off into captivity. Daniel would have heard 
this. Daniel would have, would have heard the prophet declaring. He would have heard Jeremiah say out of uh, Jeremiah 10:2, do not learn the ways of the nations. In other words, don't be conformed by the patterns of, the, of, of this world or the nations. He would hear, do not fear the idols out of verse 5. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. He would have remembered Jeremiah declaring in verse 6, no one is like you, Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Daniel would have remembered Jeremiah out of chapter 17 when, when, when he shared, this is what the Lord says. This is what God is saying. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in the Lord himself. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, and, it, and its leaves are always green. Daniel would have remembered this. He would have pulled these memories into this moment. He would have pulled the time that he committed his life to God and said, I will live for you. The times he surrendered to God in, in church or in worship or in, between him and God and their time together, he would have pulled from that moment. His mind was made up before the test ever came up. He was rooted in God's word. He understood what God has called him to and, and actually what God had done to him. And out of loyalty to God, he said, I will follow your ways. I will serve the Lord. And when this test came, we find, it says that Daniel was determined. I will not eat that food. Daniel and his friends, they may have been in Babylon. They may have been in a culture that wasn't theirs. They, they, may, have, they may have been heard a lot of information and though they were in Babylon, they had determined they will not allow Babylon to get into them. They determined it. And what, it, what enables you to pass the test of confrontation, when you are confronted, when you have to choose between holy and unholy, it is, it's a predetermined decision up to that moment. A determination that when that moment comes, I will not be moved. I will not compromise. I will hold to the truth of God. That decision comes before the, before the confrontation. Your time, I promise you, of confrontation will come. It will. This determination that I will serve God, I will, I will follow the ways of God, isn't made at university before you get there. It's made way before you ever got there in your commitment to serve God. The choice is already made up to speak biblical truth long before you're confronted about freedoms of sexuality or gender. It's made up long before someone asks you your belief. 
The answer has been given long before you're in high school or college and you get the opportunity for, for weed or alcohol or, 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 or sex with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. No, no, you, no, no, no. You have, you have drawn a line in the sand way before you ever got to the opportunity. Or when you, you arrive to work and there's an, an alluring opportunity to compromise you don't fall into that because you have made a decision years before that you remember the day you were at the altar with your spouse and you said, I will be faithful to you and to you alone before God and these people. I choose you. And so when you get there, you think, ah, I don't think so. I made a decision a long time ago. You can be determined before the confrontation. The righteous response has already been given at the altar of your wedding when an old boyfriend or girlfriend direct, direct messages you and you've been married for maybe several years. Your decision's already been made. The choice has already been made to your God to be pure long before you pick up your phone to surf the web. So how, how do you live godly? And an ungodly culture is about you determining in your heart and before God that you will honor the call that he has on your life to be salt and light in a dark world. That as followers of Jesus, we stand up when everyone else sits down. We say yes when everyone else says no, and we say no when everyone else says yes. We must be determined. I shall not be moved. We must be. Because you determined long ago that the word of God is going to tell you how to live your life. That the word of God is going to tell you what you do with your desires that you submit them to Christ. The word of God tells us when facing opposition, how to respond. When facing temptation, how we're to hold to the word of God. And then the word of God also says, as you determine your heart, the spirit of God gives you the power to remain strong and to stand strong. The Lord's searching the earth right now. I'm telling you right now. He's searching the earth for Daniel's, for hearts that are fully committed to him that he could use and he could raise up and he could use you as a mouthpiece. He's looking for somebody. It is rare, but it's not impossible. God is longing for Daniels to be determined to be the light that he's called them to be. And regardless of the cost, whether it costs me my whole life, God, I will honor you because you are my God. That's what the Lord's looking for. God's looking for young people who choose to stand up when everyone else sits down. He's looking for people who understand there's a resolve in their spirit. No, 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 I know God. I met with him just this morning, and he's called me to be a light. He's called me to not compromise. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I'm a follower of Jesus, and I, I'm not going to do that. He's looking for somebody who can, do, who can do that. This world needs 
needs lighthouses so that the broken people on the, on the seas of life, when they're broken and dying, can actually see a contrast to their own lives. Daniel was determined, I will not defile myself. Listen, when this happens in our lives, and it will, when there's a confrontation to be had, and there are, there is something that we need to remember. Yes, we determine in our hearts. And we say, God, help me to determine today. And we can do that today. But also, there's this other aspect. When there's a confrontation, there's always people involved. When you're living godly and ungodly world, there are people that you're involved in or involved with. There are people who don't know Jesus. And you're the only Jesus they'll, they'll, they'll maybe ever see. And you're, and you're sharing with them the truth of God's word. It's not, listen, it's not your truth. It's the truth. It's not, well, my thoughts on, on marriage is that, who cares what my thoughts are? God's thoughts on marriage is this. It's a great thing about the Christian life is we're not the source of our own truth and information. Culture, they are their own source, but we are not our own source. The Bible is. It's sufficient. And then when you begin to live the life that you're like, Lord, man, this is hard. I'm dying to my flesh. And he's like, come on, I'll keep helping you. We determine in the hearts. We actually find ourselves living a life that is enjoyable. It's peaceful. It is, it is free of regret and free of shame. And we can walk in the goodness and the provision of God. And we're like, huh, yeah, no wonder God wanted me to live this life. Because it is what he said he would bless. It's a rare thing to say, I believe in the Bible. I believe the, the, the definitions of, of who we are. It's, it's rare today. It's rare in churches today. But as your pastor, I am obligated. In Hebrews, it is so clear that he's, he's writing to the church and he says, he's, he tells, they're, they're writing to the church, and he was just sharing some things about, about them. And he, and he said this, your pastor is accountable to God. He is accountable to God. I will be held at a higher standard as a teacher of the word of God. And those who teach the Bible says you will be. What's that standard? Did you teach the whole truth or just the, the, ears, the ear tickling stuff that people wanted to hear. Did you stand on the word or, or, did, you, or did you compromise because you didn't want to rock the boat? God's calling us to be, to be people of the book, people of his heart. And when we stand in confrontation and culture that desperately needs us to tell them the truth, how do we respond to them? There's always people involved. And just so you know, God loves people. God loves the broken and the hurting and the lost and the, and the deceived. Because you were one. And he loved you enough to show you kindness and to, to, bring, to bring someone in your life that shared the gospel with you. What if they would have hated you? What if they had been, oh, you're one of those people who don't know Jesus. Thank God Jesus didn't do that to us. And while we were enemies of him, it's through his kindness that actually led us to repentance. Well, kindness of what? Kindness of truth. 
He revealed to us through his Holy Spirit that we're a sinner. Well, that's not very nice, Jesus. Can't you just tell me I'm okay? He's like, no, because I love you. And you need to be saved. You need to be redeemed. And it's through that kindness as he reveals that we're lost, he then reveals he's the solution. He still speaks truth, truth to us, but he does it in kindness. And so how do we pass the test when, confront, when confrontation comes and people are involved at your workplace, at school, at college, in your own home? Number two, we learn from Daniel, we respond with honor and respect. We respond with honor and respect. Look at how Daniel handles the people involved. He asked the chief of staff for permission to not eat these unacceptable foods. One, he understood, I need to be respectful here. But he asked not to eat these unacceptable foods and says that now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Next week, I'm, I'm going to look at some of the benefits of, of living a holy life as we look at Daniel's life. But after Daniel asked him this, the chief of staff is freaked out. He said, man, why? No. If this doesn't work out, the king's going to make my head roll. But there was something about Daniel and his approach which allowed the chief of staff to literally put his neck on the line for them. And we'll look at that next week. But there was something about Daniel, how he, he responded. This isn't he demanded. This isn't he shouted. He pulled the chief of staff aside and had a conversation. Hey, Listen, I'm just going to ask you um, that we cannot eat this food and we'll eat this other food. Something about Daniel's spirit allowed the chief of staff to have respect for Daniel. Something about how Daniel held himself allowed him to challenge things that were never challenged. This is about truth and love. So, some Christians feel like you can't stand for truth and do it in love. You can't, you can't stand for truth and actually be kind about it. You can't, you can't stand for truth and do it with honor and respect. No, it's got to be a fight. Showing honor and respect in, a, in confrontation of truth is not a position of weakness. It's a position of controlled strength. And purposeful strength. Your dishonor and disrespect does not make God's truth more true because you're cranky. When you come to this test, and you will, it's an opportunity to respond from the identity that you have in God through Christ. What is your identity? Well, First Peter says this, that you are a royal priesthood. So, so remember, you were a part of the kingdom of darkness, what Paul says, and you have been brought now into the kingdom of light. Contrast, very different. How you respond in confrontation, kingdom of darkness, should be quite different than how you respond when you're in the kingdom of light. Your attitude, your spirit, how you see people, what you allow in your, in your, in your heart. And 
You are a royal, a royal priesthood. In other words, you're different. You're different. Somebody say, I'm different. And then someone else said, I know. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> you're different. You are, not, you, you are in the world, but you're not of the world. You're in Babylon, but you're not, you're not, you're not Babylonian. This is not just about your actions, it's about your heart posture. It's about a transformed heart, how we serve and love people. You are a royal priesthood. You walk differently, you act differently, you carry yourself differently. You see life, you, you, you respond in life differently. Your response in confrontation, now listen, listen to me today, please hear me reveals what you believe about yourself. Your response to people in your test of confrontation is not based off of who they are and what lie influences them. Your response in confrontation time over truth is based off of who you are and the spirit of truth that influences you. We are not to mimic those who don't know Jesus, we're to show that there's a better way. And let me address those of you who every time, without exception, when I talk about how we respond, everybody wants to pull the one verse that justifies their behavior and attitudes. Well, Jesus flipped over tables. And I want to as well. That wasn't very respectful in honoring Pastor Jason. Are you saying Jesus reacted the same way? Look, just hang on for a second. What Jesus said after he went into the temple, the temple of God, he turned over tables of money changers and benches and a place where they had to buy animals that they would use for sacrifice in the temple. This is what Jesus says in Mark 11. He says, my house. Everybody say, my house. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. My house. Everybody say, my house. For context, the money changers were at the temple so that the Jews from other nations could come and and worship at the temple according to the law of Moses. And so they would come from other nations and they would have foreign currency. And they would go to the temple exchange, the, the, little, the, the little booth to exchange your foreign currency into shekels, Israeli shekels. And then they would walk over and then they would buy an animal that they had to buy from, from there because it had been approved by the priest as a, as a sacrifice unto God. So it had to be approved by the priest. That's what God said. The issue was the exchange rate on the foreign currency was the highest in the city. In other words, it was a ripoff. The issue wasn't buying and selling in the temple. A lot of people, they just don't understand the context. You can't buy and sell in church. You sold donuts, you're going to go to hell. No, that's not what this is about. <laughs> While I'm eating a donut, yeah, but it's good, man. It's all, anyway. so, but it's not, that's not what this is about. 
So the people were coming out of a pure heart to worship God as he told them to, as his people, his followers. And they go to the, to the exchange, and they're like, dang, I just got ripped off. And they're like, well. And then they go over here, and they're, they're paying exorbitant prices for these animals. Like, oh, my gosh. It's, so you, you got ripped off coming and got, got ripped off going, and it was, they were being ripped off in the name of God. You think God's going to put up with that? So Jesus said, my house, hang on, he's the only one in history that could ever call the temple where every sacrifice was pointing to him, where everything about the temple from the, from the moment you, you started even thinking about making a sacrifice to God, it was pointing to him, that he is the showbread, he's the bread of life, he's the lamb, he's the sacrifice, all of it's pointing to him. And when Jesus died on the cross, as we remember it back in Easter, it says the veil that separated the holy of holies where the presence of God dwelt was ripped from top to bottom. Why? Because it's Jesus' house. He can rip curtains whenever he wants. My house. And he said, this isn't happening in my house. That's the context. That's why Jesus said, this will not be. That was his house. Stop stealing from my people. He says, it was a den of robbers and thieves. People were in Jesus' house, stealing from his family. And he says, get out. Let me ask you a question. You went home after church, and you walked in your door, and there was some robbers and thieves in your house. They're in your daughter's room, rummaging through, through her, her stuff and maybe walking out with, with, a, with a TV and the other one is up in, the, up in your room going through the jewelry that you bought your wife or going through the, 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 the special areas that you bought your husband or whatever it may be. And you come in. Let me ask you. I'd be like, all of us here, actually, we'd be like, wait, what? this is my house. That is my daughter's room. That is my, that's my people. I'm, for me as a man, I'm, I, my responsibility is, for, is to protect. My response to them would not be out of anger. It would be out of, it would be out of protection and responsibility over my house. And I will grab them by the back of the neck and nicely, no, I would not. I would toss them out the door. Why? Because you're jeopardizing my family. That's what they were doing. This was a big deal. Christians must come to the realization that that text does not justify you having attitudes that violates what the Scripture says we aren't to have. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says regarding the rights of a church who, who was under immense persecution. He says this out of 1 Peter 2. For you are free, yet, yet you are God's slaves or servants, another translation says. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. So what's the context? He, he tells them, be respectful. So what's the evil they were doing? They were acting like children. They were huffing and puffing and anger and bitterness. And I can't believe in how many of this. And that. No, that's not true. And now they were yelling. Hey, hey, time out, time out. Don't use your freedom as an excuse 
to be cranky pants. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Nowhere in there does he say, don't stand up for truth or just, just be a victim. No. He just said, be respectful. Daniel's response to this test and confrontation, he responds with respect and honor. He didn't get on social media and start bashing people. He didn't use it as a platform to dishonor even other believers. These young men didn't go start a right to eat kosher movement and start a riot and go burn down all the pig farms. That's not what they did. They didn't assign motives and label everyone who looked like the chief of staff that, who wanted them to eat food and come on, let's, they're, they're no good. They're, you look like this, you're no good. They didn't do that. They didn't join with these other things. No, what they didn't know. Why didn't they do those things? Because they were priests and children of God and they acted like it. And the test and confrontation and their response was not based off who the king was, who the chief of staff was. It was based off of who their God was and they were going to represent him well. All that God's people would stop being indoctrinated by culture and how we react and respond when we disagree with something. What's the, who's the, what's the difference? That God's people would actually be a light, which means it's different. Would actually be salt, which means you can share truth and it heals at the same time. Will people like you st still? No, they won't. But you can be respectful and honoring. You can be kind. When the test comes regarding truth, maybe it's at work, it's your family, it's at school, university. Be determined and stand and don't back down and don't, don't give in to fear. Speak truth, but do it in the spirit of your God with respect and honor and love, truth and love. Is it easy? No, it's not. Are you gonna blow it? Yes, you will, but repent. Repent to the people you lost it on and repent to God. Tell them, if you get angry, tell them, I'm so sorry. I did not respond to you the right way. We may disagree, but I just wanna let you know, I did not treat you with honor and respect, I'm sorry. I say, Lord, can you help me? I'm on a journey here. The Lord's like, yes. Humility, kindness, respectfulness, honor. That's who we are. We're different. We're different. We are different than the world. Just not what we do. Just not our actions. It's our heart. Be a Daniel. Stand up for truth. But do it with kindness, do it with love, and do it for the glory of God. Do it for his purposes. Because Daniel was a man of honor, respect actually opened the door for him to actually even ask the question. 
when you were living, when you are living for God in an ungodly culture, like we are today, there's going to be a confrontation of te- a test. There's going to be a time. It's either you answer the question honestly or you lie. Listen, God is longing for Daniel's. Will it be you? Will it be you? God wants to use you. Will it be you? Somebody's got to show a different way. If it's not you, then who? So if it's not now, then when? Be a Daniel. And allow God to use you. Maybe some of you today, you've, you realize you've compromised areas of your life. You've compromised. You've been indoctrinated by, by the world. You compromised on a business trip. You, 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 you went to a place you shouldn't have, but you, but you thought, well, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's in sales. And I, you know, I, they want to go to the strip club. So I, you know, I, I can't, it's my job. Be a Daniel. Be determined in your heart. I won't go there. Get a name for yourself that you actually are righteous. Get a name for yourself that you stand up for truth. Get a name for yourself. But man, they're the stinking nicest person I've ever met. They don't shame me. They don't, they don't shame me because I choose this direction. They don't shame me because... I identify as this. They don't shame me, but they, they don't give in to me. But they love me. I can tell. Be a Daniel. Will it be you? Do you need to repent today of these compromises you've made in your life? Do you need to repent today and say, I am determining before it ever comes that I will honor you, God? I am determining today that I will love those around me, Jesus, like you loved me. But I won't compromise. I know that a lot of you are weary and you're fearful and all the stuff that's going on and you don't know what to do. I want to encourage you today, stand strong. Don't give in. Stand for the truth in love. And hold strong. In, in, in these moments where you think, but Jason, I, I'm scared. Listen, I understand. You need to know something. God has a promise for you. Out of Isaiah, this is the promise. In these, in these moments like today, don't be afraid, for I am your God. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. And I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Be a Daniel. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today with probably a lot of different thoughts and emotions, all of us differently in this room.
But we hear the call, we hear the charge. We hear the invitation to be a Daniel. Lord, and I know not everyone's context is the same. Not everyone's world is the same. But Lord, that's between every individual and you. But your word doesn't change in its application because our circumstances are different. You've called us to live godly lives in the midst of an ungodly culture while loving those who've been deceived by the enemy. Lord, today we confess before you the areas of our lives that we have compromised, that we've allowed the indoctrination to change our beliefs. We've come into alignment with lies. And Lord, we're sorry. Forgive us. Cleanse me. Lord, today I determine in my heart that I will not sin against you, my God. And God, we ask you to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. As we see in the book of Acts, not for miracles, but to be witnesses. That's the purpose of your spirit, that we would be witnesses. Signs and wonder follow the preaching of the word, but the Holy Spirit was given first for us to be a witness. So Lord, help us to be a witness for you. Lord, I pray today that those of us who have been, who've allowed bitterness in our hearts towards people in our culture that are deceived and hurting and acting out of that towards us. Lord, I ask you that you would remove that from my heart, remove that from all of our hearts. We surrender our hearts today that we would have your heart for them. Lord, help us to see them the way that you saw us before we knew you. Lord, today, we commit as a church that we are going to cultivate and raise up Daniels in every area of society. That we're not going to back down. We're not going to run away. We're not going to cower in fear. We're going to hold strong. And we're going to do it in the spirit of you, which is love. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our people. Strengthen them in their homes. Let them hear your voice in the night say, I want you to be my Daniel. That our teenagers would feel the fire of God in their belly saying, I'm going to be the Daniel where my, wherever I am. I'm going to be the Daniel in my school. I'm going to be the Daniel. That God, our university students would step in with confidence, resolved, determined. From a moment they had, maybe right now, I will not compromise. I will be the difference. I will be the light. And I will shine for you, Jesus. And Lord, in their moments of fear, in their moments of persecution, in their moments of doubt, God, may you remind them, I 
that you, God, are with them. They shall not fear. Don't be discouraged, for you are my child, and I'm with you. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you, and we surrender ourselves under the submission to your word. And we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you would say, Jason, I don't know Jesus Christ. And I want to know him. I want to give my life to him. I want to be the Daniel. I, 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 I want to do that. And first step, I need to give my life to Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand right now, just before the Lord. Hold it up. God bless you. Thank you. Just hold your hands up high so I can see you. Nobody's looking. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus came as the Son of God, he lived his life, he died on the cross, taking upon your sin, he was buried in your place and then raised from the dead to live again, that you, as you put your faith in him, you also will be raised and you will live eternally. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer and we're all going to pray together. And if you pray this and believe it, you will be saved. Let's all pray. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. I confess I need you. I confess I'm lost. And I know you want to save me. So I give you my life. Give me a new mind. Give me a new heart. Heal my emotions. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I give you my life. Lead me. Guide me. May I be a Daniel for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand today. If you gave your life to Jesus today, I want to ask you to do me a huge favor. Right in front of you is a connect card. And you can fill that out. And there's a little box that says, gave my life to Jesus. And give us just one contact, whatever you choose. And you can drop it in the white buckets when you leave. Also, if you have a prayer request, you can write on that same card and drop it in the bucket when you leave as well. Let's all stand to our feet. We'd love the honor of praying over you and blessing you and your family today. So if we could just lift our hands to the Lord, just as a physical posture of receiving from him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless every one of these families, every individual, every teenager, every young adult, every married couple, every single. And God, I pray that you would prosper them. I pray that you would lead them. I pray that you would put the fire of Daniel in their hearts. God, I ask you that you would provide for them, that if they're married, that you would heal their marriages, that you would allow them to set aside bitterness that the enemy has placed in. Lord, I also ask you that you would strengthen their relationship with you this week, that you would remind them of how close you are. And Lord, I ask you that you would allow every person here and joining us online to receive a supernatural touch 
in their life this week, that you would give them favor at work, that you would prosper them, you would provide for them as they follow you. Lead us and guide us and protect us mentally, spiritually, and physically. And bring us back next week. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God bless you. I love you.